Hey, my name is Amanda. I want to thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you find your next step toward Jesus. Enjoy the message. Uh, scripture this morning comes out of Mark chapter 14. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses? He asked, you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. beginning of the meal, he took the bread, gave thanks to the Father, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, broken for you, so take and eat. Um, what do you do when someone in the room like ups the ante and almost like forces a response? Have you ever been at Thanksgiving and someone stood up right before the meal and said, hey everybody, this turkey is my body sliced for you. What would you even do? Hey, everybody, the presence under the tree this morning, this is my body, torn apart savagely by three-year-olds for you. What do you, what do you even do? Um, last week, we were talking, we're going through the book of Mark, we were talking about in chapter 8, um, which is kind of like the, the peak of the book of Mark before it starts to barrel downhill towards this um, unavoidable conclusion uh, where Peter confesses Jesus is the Messiah. Right after that, they're on a mountaintop where there's um, a transfiguration. Jesus is transfigured before them, and the, and the Father speaks from heaven, this is my Son, and, uh, and everywhere Jesus goes, he just keeps insisting things are, are lovingly about him. And he steps into their, their dearest ritual, the Passover, which is every year they celebrate them being rescued out of slavery by God from under Egypt. And Jesus steps into the middle of their most sacred, regular, ritualistic moment as a nation and says everything here at the center of this meal, this is all about me. And it's all about how much I 
love you. What do you even do? I, I, I was um, backpacking around Europe with a buddy of mine after we graduated from grad school, and we were on a flight from Milan, Italy, to Dublin, Ireland. And it was one of those like super cheap flights because we were trying to save money. It was like hard plastic seats bolted into the inside of a jet, you know. And we got on there with a bunch of dudes going to Ireland, and we took off. And just a few minutes later, one dude up there starts singing at the top of his lungs. What do you do on a plane when somebody just tears into a song? I can tell you what a bunch of Irish do. They sing. We sang, and they hit their max on the alcohol limit that you're about to be served on a that you're allowed to be served on a plane. They, from Milan, Italy to Dublin, they sang the whole way. What do you do when one person goes there, and then our, our luggage accidentally went to Scotland, which, by the way, is like next door. That's not very far. And, and the, the Irish guys, they piled on these luggage carts and had races pushing each other up and down the baggage claim. Uh, I, you know, I, I was, I was at, a, at a, a meal. It was like this big awards ceremony. I was one of the only um, few white folks there, everybody else, people of color, having this great celebration and, and giving somebody an award. And then the DJ fires up, and the first song is not the Macarena, it's not the cha-cha slide, so I'm out, right? I don't know what to do. But everybody else knew what was going on, and so I'm kind of standing there awkwardly as they all know the moves. And th this sweet lady, 20 years older than me, 25 years older than me, I don't know, she walks up, grabs my hand, and says, come on, honey, just follow me, and pulls me out on the dance floor, and, and it wouldn't let me off of it. <laughs> and I just did my best to follow this lady. What do you do when someone comes and grabs your hands as an act of love and says, just follow me, honey? I still don't know how to dance to that song, but man, I tried. I, I was out camping a few weeks ago, and we're standing around having normal camp conversation, you know. How are your kids? Good. Summer, how's it going? Good. We get to one friend, and she says, I just got back from visiting my family, found out my mom's been lying to my dad about a pregnancy that she terminated years ago, never told him. He found out, and it's tearing our family apart. My kids are good. How are your... I mean, like, no. What do you do when, when someone goes there? And Jesus steps into the middle of the room and forces a response. Not just from this moment, but from how he has lived every moment. He's forcing a response because he's going there and like your life neatly under control as planned in Jesus' presence doesn't work. That just equation just does not pan out for us. And so I just, I want to walk through Mark chapter 14. And uh, I have to move a little quickly and want to look at a few groups of people and how they responded to a life that forces response. Do we join in his song? Do we get on his dance floor and move with him? Do we go there in conversation or do we do something else? Because the book of Mark, maybe more than anything else, is, is forcing the issue. What are you going to do about this, Jesus? What are you going to do? 
So they have this meal that we call the Last Supper. Um, it, it, it ends strangely. Jesus says, you guys are going to desert me. Someone's going to betray me. He goes to a garden to pray as if the meal hadn't gone weirdly enough earlier. Now we're talking about betrayal. Um, and Jesus goes to a garden and, and Judas famously goes and and gets a, a mob from the religious leaders to come and arrest Jesus. Um, verse 57, then uh, some stood up, they arrest Jesus and haul him off to this fake trial in the middle of the night. Some stood up and gave false testimony against him. Uh, we heard him say, I will destroy the temple made with human hands. In three days, we'll build another not made with hands. Yet even their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. It's interesting that when not asked a real question, Jesus does not choose to answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus goes there. The priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. You've heard this blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him worthy of death. Then some of them spit on him, blindfolded him, struck him with their fists and said, prophesy. And the guards took him and beat him. One response to Jesus, who steps into the center of our lives and says, it's all about me and how I'm broken for you. It's all about me and how I'm broken for you. One response, like the priest, is offense. And as Jesus tears his body for us, the priest grabs his clothes and tears them as a sign of offense at Jesus. That Jesus would step, they were fine with him being a prophet. Ron talked about this last week, such a good job. About like, they were fine with him being a good advice giver or having some nice things to say about life or affirming what they already um, believed. But as soon as he started insisting that it was all about him and that he was here to like take over, they were not okay with that. And, and so offended that, that the priest is a symbol of, um, of his authority and his honor. It just gets ripped in front of the people which is a little bit two-year-old at Walmart fit, right? I mean, when a grown man stands up and goes like full Ric Flair in front of everybody and drips his shirt, I mean, come on. This is a little bit childish. And, and I, I know that there are whole lives, there are obviously whole people, that when they get their head around, oh, Jesus isn't just, he's not just here to give advice, he's not just here to say good things, he's not just another religious, religious leader, he doesn't leave that option open to us, he insists he is either worthy of being killed or he is the king himself. And they, and they choose to reject Jesus on the whole. I, I think the, maybe the more pertinent conversation for us um, as people who are at least interested in Jesus, fumbling towards Jesus, um, is what part of our lives is that our response? Is if we were to point at your job and say, did you know that he's king there too? And someone says, oh, ah, how dare you? Ah, rah. 
your parenting, your relationships, your, your unforgiveness and disappointment. He wants to be king there too. No, how dare you bring that up? Ah, two-year-old fit in Walmart. I mean, maybe, maybe um, we could recognize the places where when Jesus wants to go there in this area of our life, and we just like pitch a bit of a fit because you, it's hard to say I'm a follower of Jesus and then when someone says, yeah, but what about the joke that you laughed at last week in front of everybody and you pitch a little bit of a fit? It might mean that your offense is that Jesus claiming to be king. How do we deal with that? How do we let Jesus step into that and say, no, I am. I am the son of the blessed one. And my kingdom extends here too. That's, that's one option. Uh, another group, obviously, is, is the disciples. Um, now, the, the book of Mark is, is written by John Mark, um, who gets most of his information from, from Peter. And, uh, and Peter, as he's giving him this information, understandably kind of presents himself as a bit of a representative for the group of disciples. These are people that are, that are trying to follow Jesus. Um, and, and at the meal, when Jesus starts talking about betrayal and people falling away, in, uh, in verse 29, Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you're going to disown me three times. But Peter insisted empathically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others did the same. Um, and you got to know, Peter, like, meant it. You know, when he was saying it, as best he knew, he meant it. He, Peter was full of passion. I remember in middle school, so for me that was 6th, 7th, 8th grade, I came to know Jesus. Like, I met him and his love. And does anybody else remember 1990s evangelical youth group culture? I bought it, man. I had the WWJD bracelet, and I had the Christian t-shirts, and I had the Christian CDs, and I went on all the trips, and I just, I bought, I bought the whole thing, and none of that was bad. But, but here's the thing. I, I thought that that was mostly out of my love for Jesus. I think a lot of it, just didn't know it, um, was actually out of what I was getting out of the deal. I was getting identity. I was getting something that made me feel good. I was getting community. I was getting a lot of things out of that. Now notice, when Peter, when he, when he speaks to Jesus, check this out. Um, what is the word that he uses the most often here? Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Even if all fall away, I will not. What is the word he used the most there? I. He didn't know it. But his declaration about how much he loved Jesus was actually a declaration about himself. I will not fall away. I can stick with you. I will not disown you. These other jerks may, but I'm sticking with you, Jesus. I mean, he didn't know it, but this moment of an expression of his faith, best as he knew how to express his love for Jesus, was actually rooted in his selfishness. Didn't, didn't know it. That's just immaturity. You know, and I had all of the gear, you know, as, as, a, as a kid, but I was still sneaking out at night in seventh grade to break into people's houses, you know, there were canine dogs that knew what I smelled like. 
You know, I, I think I shared a little while back, I was wearing one of my Christian t-shirts at the bus stop, got made fun of it, and beat that kid up. Right? But I, but I, thought, I thought it was about my faith. It wasn't. It was about what my faith was giving me. Now, that, that's probably natural progression and where we start, but I think Jesus wants to call us past that. When, when the soldiers show up and, and, and things go sideways, it says the men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Uh, verse 50, then everyone deserted and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Okay, I just had to put that in here because my guess is, is um, we're not sure, but church history uh, has mostly said that, that that's Mark. That, that's Mark. The only space Mark gets into his own gospel is streaking. You know, we don't exactly know what's going on, but maybe he hears the commotion. He's asleep. He gets in the middle of the night. He goes outside in his boxers, you know, thinking he's going to have to chase off a raccoon or something, and ends up in the middle of like, oh, a bunch of drama. There's people, there's pitchforks, there's torches. People are getting arrested, and there's folks throwing swords around and getting ears cut off. And, um, and notice, <laughs> this, is, this is great. He says, um, one of those standing there uh, near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. John totally outs him. That is Peter. So Mark is like, hey, right before I had, I had to run around with, with, with um, no clothes on, wasn't there somebody that cut someone's ear off and Peter was like, oh yeah, can't remember who that was. <laughs> can't remember who that was. Other gospels talk about how Jesus tells Peter, put away your sword. And he goes to this injured man who is arresting him and heals him. See, we see Peter's selfishness unseen, blind spot selfishness. Doesn't even there expressing himself again. Jesus was just saying, hey guys, hey guys, hey guys. I am going to let my body be broken for you, my blood poured out for you. And Peter's like, right, so we get the swords? No, often, here's the thing. If you go to a weapon to defend Jesus, you're not defending Jesus. You're defending yourself, right? But you don't know it. You don't, you don't know it, right? right? Jesus is just like, hey, I'm here to lay my... The, the move that would have been Jesus-centered would be to step forward and said, take me too. My body too. My blood too. And said, Peter's like, ha-ha! I think it's been said before, <clears throat> you don't swing a sword and aim for someone's ear. He was going for the guy's head and missed. Right? And Peter's, Peter's immaturity is stepping into the moment. And Jesus will put himself between us and the people that we think are attacking our faith. He will rebuke us and heal them. He will rebuke us and heal them. I, I was with someone just the other day and he said, don't, don't we have to stand up and fight for our faith? No. <laughs> because it's Jesus at the center of our faith who doesn't fight for his faith. He lays his life down for his enemies. 
gosh, that's so hard, but everything else is centered around us and our own identity. Jesus is so tough. He challenges us at every level, me included. And if you say different, I'll punch you in the nose. (laughs) Right? I mean, like... They arrest him in in verse 66 while Peter was below in the courtyard while this um, trial was going on. One of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You were were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. Um, But Peter declined it, um, denied it. The the Nazarenes were, they were kind of like backwoods. They had a country accent. They were far away. Jerusalem is the big city where they're at. Um, So she could recognize him, but he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, she said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said to those standing around, this fellow was one of them. And again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you're one of them. You're with a Galilean. We can tell by the way you talk. He began to call down curses and swore to them, I don't know this man you are talking about immediately. The rooster crowed a second time, and Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him before the rooster crows twice. You will disown me three times. Then he broke down and wept. One move, Jesus' insistence at being at the center of our lives and king over them is to be so offended that we We dramatically rip our clothes like the high priest. That's what he broke. Peter, in his attempting to follow Jesus, just it's immature. And understandably so. I wouldn't do well if all of a sudden I felt my life was on the line and I was under pressure and everything was in the moment. Everything I've said, is it real? How are we going to react to it right now? I don't think I would do super great. You know, easy to pick on Peter. How would you react... His failure breaks his own heart. He goes away and weeps. But there's a gift in that moment. We often think that the gifts are all in our successes, but Jesus seems to meet us in our brokenness. We just have to receive the brokenness. He could have walked away from there feeling pretty justified, pretty tough. He could have shoved those feelings down, but he let his failure break him. Luke has this little detail about this exchange. I just didn't want to miss it. Um, Chapter 23, verse 60, Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Then the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. That in his failure, What is Jesus looking for? Eye contact. I'm still here. I still see you. I'm okay. I mean, it's going to be rough for a little bit, but I'm okay. You're okay. I'm not turning my back on you. And so in all of our immaturity and trying to figure out and thinking we mean it and then finding out we don't and trying to follow Jesus but living like the world, it just kind of has Jesus' name stamped on All of that dysfunction that you and I live with, Jesus is still just looking for our eye contact. And in the moments when we recognize our failure, let it break your heart. 
Because that is the start of Jesus' redemption with Peter. We, we, can, we can rip our clothes in a fence or we can rend our own hearts at our immaturity and let Jesus enter in and look us straight in the eye. At the beginning of the chapter, verse 3, it says, while they were in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, I would just like to propose, this is just as a guess, that this is someone that Jesus has healed Because who's going to a party thrown by Simon the leper? Just a guess. Simon the former leper, maybe. They were in the home of Simon the leper. A woman came with an alabaster jar of expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages, the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. It's interesting that every gospel records this in one way or another. Um, uh, in, in Luke, it, it has this fascinating little detail. It says she comes in and just stands behind Jesus weeping. What do you do when someone in the room ups the ante? This woman's brave woman, John says this is Mary, as someone else says that she had lived a, a sinful life. This known sinner woman steps into a room full of powerful and important men. She's not supposed to be in there. She steps in and just starts weeping. What is it that you think Jesus did for her? That, that just being around, just thinking about him makes her tear up. About the only reason she would have a jar of perfume that expensive is this probably would have been a part um, of her bride price that her parents would have put away for her so that she could get a good and upstanding husband um, because you had to pay the, the man's family to marry a good man. Like, this is called progress, people, where we've come from here. And, and she goes in, into her room and takes her future the most expensive thing she has, and says, who else am I waiting for? Goes to Jesus and rips it open, pours it on his head, works it into his hair, puts it on his feet, lets down her own hair, and cleans his feet. She doesn't have time for telling Jesus what she is and isn't going to do and how she's going to stick by him and how she's going to defend him. She is just busy pouring her life out in worship at his feet. She can't even see herself in this moment. All she sees is someone who loved her that much. She's just blinded by his love. He lived his whole life like this, like taking himself and being opened up for her. And then she becomes like him and opens up her life for him. We can reject him in offense. Most of the time, I imagine we fumble forward in immaturity or or we can offer everything we have in worship to him.
It's not about our identity. It's about what he's done for us. Just captured by his love. Every, everybody broke something in this story. Jesus breaks the bread. The priest tears his clothes. Peter breaks his own heart, lets his own heart be broken. And this woman breaks her future open over Jesus as as an offering. Maybe a question to ask is, how can I give my life as an offering to Jesus? Or maybe there's some specific area. What about your job? Just as a few examples. How can I give my job where when someone steps into my cubicle or they see me across a counter and I have a little register in front of me, whatever, in that space, when they step into that space that they know that there is love being poured out there. What would that be like? What about our disappointments? The, the million ways that life has let us down and people have let us down and we've let ourselves down and communities have let us down. What, what if instead of like holding those and, and rejecting Jesus speaking into those, because it feels kind of good to, to do the victim thing, you know, but if we offer Jesus even our disappointments and said, how can this be an act of worship that I pour out on you, Jesus? You know, so, some of us, it's... Um, it's different areas of our, of our life. Um, can we go to the next one? Maybe a different time of day. How can my mornings be a gift to Jesus? Or what, how can my body be a gift to Jesus? What I put in my mind, what I put in my mouth, what I, what I do with it, instead of it just being comfort for me, how, how can it be an offering poured out for Jesus, and we talk a lot about marriage, and I'm I'm glad, but but um but let's let's talk about singleness. What if what if you're single? Yes, we offer our our marriage to Jesus as an offering. How can your singleness be offered to Jesus, who was single, by the way, and so was the Apostle Paul? How can this season of your life be an offering of worship to Jesus? What about conflict? How can the conflict that you're in be a place that you invite Jesus to speak? I, those are just, just throwing a few at you. But, but as he has been poured out for us, how can we be captured by his love and pour ourselves out for him? Before we come to the table today, let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for your love, your mercy. So God, I pray that you'd meet us at your table today where we receive your love for us and offer our lives back to you in your name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's message, make sure to subscribe to this channel. Feel free to share this with others that God has put on your heart. To learn more about LaCroix Church or to find your next steps, head to lacroixchurch.org. Thanks again for checking us out, and we hope to see you soon.